and welcome to Outside World Occultism. Um, I'm Katya, and I can't seem to remember who the rest of you are, so you're going to have to introduce yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nee. I don't know who the rest of you are either, but it's nice to meet you all. I'm JT, and in the interest of editing, I will note that I went third. <laughs> <laughs> I am F, and... It's a pleasure to meet you all for the first time again. For editing purposes, I went forth. And I'm Lavender, and I'm the poster boy of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's nice to meet you all on this, our very first episode of Outside World Occultism, a Toho podcast. Today we're talking about Lotus Eaters, which is one of the official manga that has recently been published, or the first chapter anyway. One of the two that are actually written by Zun. I can't remember what it's actually about, but oh well. (laughs) (laughs) We should also note that there is a new chapter of Cheating Detective Satori that came out and is continuing the sdm storyline which we just talked about in the last episode before you hear this one we're not going to do episodes for every single chapter of every single manga we'll normally just note it at the beginning we just had two new ones starting like right back to back yeah we're not that desperate for episodes yet i think we're probably just going to do the beginning and then a post-mortem when they're done unless something really big goes down in the middle I think it could be interesting to have like an occasional episode where we just talk about like all of the manga. Like a mid-season recap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe if we're desperate enough. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So this manga, there's a whale girl in it. Yeah. A mysterious whale girl. I guess we've talked about her before, but... She's the poster girl of the fantasy pub Gay Dante. Yeah, she works in a bar. She's got a whale hat. Everyone likes her, but... Who are we talking about again? (laughs) (laughs) She thinks she will cause problems on purpose. Yeah. So the manga starts out with like a bit of chatter between a bunch of old geezers at the bar or restaurant or whatever it is. They're just like, did you hear that somebody got like ganked by a yokai? Basically, she reveals herself and she's like, let's not talk about this disturbing stuff. Here, drink some more. And then they're like, oh, she's such a strong girl. And then it cuts to her like making like an evil face. (laughs) So something's definitely up with her. Yeah. I mean, she probably is strong. I don't know if I want to go through the whole thing scene by scene, but I do want to note that the next scene after this is Marisa just like crashing down in front of Reimu on her broom like she's a Final Fantasy Dragoon, (laughs) which is always the best way to start a Toho manga, in my opinion. It definitely is. Just yeet Marisa at Reimu in increasingly dramatic ways. (laughs) Yeah, she does it in Forbidden Scrollery, she does it... Does she do it in any of the other manga? I can't remember. She kind of does it in the fairies manga. She doesn't do it in Wild and Horned Hermit because Kassen has unappreciative disease. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, speaking of the introduction, they've got brand new, like, booze-themed titles for the characters. Yes. And the most important part about that is that Marisa's has moonshine in the title, so now it's absolutely canon that she makes moonshine in the middle of the woods. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, all of the titles have something to do with alcohol, and Marisa's is the forest of magic's moonshine. So she makes moonshine in her house. Like, I'm sure she's got, like, a little distillery outside her house somewhere in a little shed. And the The question is whether she drinks it as is or uses it in some kind of magical potion thing. Why not both? I mean, she's gonna taste it. And Reimu's is guardian of the sacred sake, which is a reference to the fact that shrines generally brew sake, and this has been mentioned before in Curiosities of Lotus Asia. Does every Toho character brew some kind of homemade alcohol? Discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any reason any given Toho character would not brew some kind of homemade alcohol? (laughs) Sumareko is underage. That's about it. Does she care, though? (laughs) Yeah, she does. She drinks soda. Yeah. She looks down on people who drink alcohol. She would never brew it herself. Hmm. Yeah, as edgy as she is, Sumireko is a good girl. If I remember correctly, um, the Japanese word for moonshine doesn't actually include moon, but I think it's a nice fit for her, like, general aesthetic, too. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's definitely inappropriate. And um, that was a really good translation choice. It just means le- illegally brewed alcohol, but it's thematic. Moonshine has a specific mental image that it brings up. Yeah, because there's illegally brewed alcohol in the sense of, like, some college student making designer mead in the dorm rooms, and then there's illegally brewed alcohol in someone driving around with a still in the back of a pickup truck, <laughs> hiding from the cops while their buddies in the back, you know, extracting the last of the spirits and that's more of a marisa speed (laughs) and by extracting you mean drinking (laughs) marisa would have powerful rural southern energies if she wasn't gay but now she just has moderate rural southern american energies (laughs) (laughs) so marisa is freaking tiny in this one she like the height difference between her and Remu is just tremendous and i love it i'm here for it all that moonshine stunts the growth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Remo just guards her sake. She doesn't drink it. Sure, she doesn't. Oh, she definitely drinks it. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> Doubt. Press <laughs> X to bomb and to doubt at the same mm. time. So Marisa is in her usual role at the start of the manga, which is showing up at Remu's house and being like, what's up? I got some gossip for you. I love how they just tell each other everything. Yeah, it's really cute. They're wives. Coming so soon after, like, Chureki then just emphasizes the fact that this is how most incidents seem to start. Yeah. Hi, did you hear the news? You want some of that hot goss? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so she shows up and she tells Remu about there being some gossip about a customer at a gaydante getting grabbed by a yokai on the way home after getting super drunk. Or a gaydon tanked, as they call it in Gensokyo. <laughs> Remu's like, how can there be a yokai in the human village? And that's against the rules. They can't attack people in there. And so on. <laughs> they could do that. That's illegal. Yeah. And she's wondering why there's rumors about a yokai and stuff like that. And then they talk about their party plans because they have a moon viewing banquet planned. Yeah, they basically forget about the whole yokai kidnapping thing. Enough about murders, let's party! Yeah, Rain was like, well, why is there even talk about a yokai if the guy's just drunk and disappeared? And Marisa's like, well, if there's a yokai, it'll be your problem soon enough. And they're like, well, let's talk about this party. Apparently Sweek is bringing the food. (laughs) 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 they're a little bit worried about that they're unsure so they reach out to someone else who can provide less weird food some non-oni grade alcohol (laughs) (laughs) and then there's a really nice splash page of Raymond and marisa just like chilling together and chatting and just enjoying the view they make me so happy yeah raymari forever honestly with emotion Um, (laughs) raymari On the same page, there's just this really beautiful shot of Gensokyo in general, and you can see the shrine's tori at the top of the stairs. I really like this panel just because it really kind of conveys just like how lonely the Hakurei shrine is up in the mountains. It's just like everything's kind of overgrown and it's very isolated from like any other sort of human. It's spooky. And it's very different from most establishing shots we get of the shrine too. Most establishing shots of the shrine are like close-ups i think well they're close-ups and they're often framed as looking at the grounds of the shrine from above which is emphasizing you know the structures the layout the organization of it whereas this it's in the distance we're looking at it from a distant hill or something like that which makes it much more remote in like through the branches of the trees yeah exactly it has much more of that distance between the viewer and the shrine whereas those overhead shots are much more of a you are looking out over something rather than seeing something in the distance. They also don't seem to be perspective shots, whereas this seems to like be an establishing mood shot. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of the same feeling from this specific shot that I got from a lot of the background work in Forbidden Scrollery. Me too. I think it's just a very yokai-like manga. Yeah, it conveys this just like feeling of sort of darkness and isolation. I've never really seen the Hakurei Shrine depicted that way before, and... Yeah, 
besides in like Imperishable Night where it's just briefly mentioned that nobody visits the Hakurei Shrine because it's kind of absolutely terrifying and you can't get back to the village by night usually. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, there's a reason people don't really come to the shrine all that often. It's not because they don't appreciate what Reimu does. It's just because mostly you can't go there safely. So of course all sorts of rumors tend to spring up that it's a yokai shrine too because... I mean, it is kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> Who else would visit a shrine like that? Yeah, Matt's uh, only uh, yokai and Marisa. And Marisa is a weirdo who lives in the woods. I mean, looking at it from this shot, if anything, it makes it kind of amazing that they get as many visitors as they do. Honestly, yeah. Like, even for the festivals. The fact that, for example, the storytelling night in Forbidden Scroll Race got so many visitors is definitely proof, I think, that Reimu's at least a little charming, even if she doesn't know it. Because I certainly wouldn't want to visit a shrine in the middle of the woods telling scary stories about rumors which very well might come true when there's urban legends abounding in the area. Yeah. If I was a human, that is. Yeah, I think definitely that, like, the festivals and events and stuff have greater attendance because it's, like, people traveling in groups generally. Yeah, it's safer, definitely. I think that it's mentioned that it's pretty safe in Gensokyo if you're with a large group, but it still probably is pretty scary. Yeah, definitely. Like, just because a mountain lion won't attack you if you're with a group of tourists doesn't mean you're not nervous if you encounter a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, too, the idea of needing to stay in the group will make people more uncomfortable, not less. Even if they're in a large group that is unlikely to be attacked or, you know, disrupted anyway. Yeah, they feel like they only have security if they stay in the group, too. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, none of the, especially none of the visual depictions of Gensokyo's geography can be taken, like, too literally. It's definitely, like, consistent at this point that the shrine is, like, way out there. Just the how way out there it is is kind of ambiguous most of the time. Yeah. I get the vibe that it's like somewhere you could get to comfortably and get back from comfortably, but only if you left at like six in the morning. It's out in the mountains. It's like a day trip to the mountains, if you've ever done that. So we get this establishing shot of the Hakurei Shrine just like being very dark and isolated. And then we immediately cut to what's actually going on on the shrine grounds, which is a very rowdy party with a bunch of yokai, which I think further contributes to the character of the shrine. And a ghost. <laughs> yes. Bunch of yokai and a ghost. Yes. Well, I mean, ghosts are... Ghosts are close enough to yokai that you wouldn't want to meet one in a dark alley. Scary monsters and, and nice sprites. There's a really wonderful shot of just, like, this gigantic pig roasting on a spit and Cherno just, like, sitting there in front of it, staring at it while melting. <laughs> That's just so valid of her. That's what I do when I'm cooking food in the oven, too. I just sit in front of it and stare. (laughs) I just melt, so... Yeah, and she just sits there staring at it for a good chunk of the evening, apparently, because you see her again in the exact same spot. She hasn't moved or spoken to anyone. She's just so, like, enraptured by this enormous pig. Baby wants meat. And we get to see Suika, who is responsible for the pig. Yeah. And her title is Shootin' Doji of the Gourd Pillow. <laughs> Which I assume is like keeping a bottle under your head. Yeah, it's like an idiom for someone who is a heavy drinker because they drink so much that they just go to sleep right on the bottle. And also her gourd is conveniently pillow-shaped. Yeah, probably not very soft though. <laughs> yeah, you would probably still have pretty big headache and not just from the booze if you mm-hmm. tried to sleep on it. It depends on how strong your neck is though. <laughs> Imagine if the bottle is, like, some kind of rubbery substance. I'm pretty sure Suika can do, like, reverse sit-ups where she just flexes her entire body on her neck. So, like, she probably doesn't get much in the way of back pain from passing out somewhere uncomfortable as she drinks. Hmm. Is it possible for yokai to get back pain in general when they just have no bones? (laughs) 
It depends, I guess, if people would believe they would have back pain. One of the only things that we had of a preview for this manga was that, like, kind of cryptic teaser shot of Suika. So it's kind of obvious that she was going to show up, at least in the first chapter. But I guess she's probably going to be, like, a recurring character, especially with the boost film. I think that she's been a, like, second or third string character for a while now. Not necessarily in the games, but, like, she's been a strong presence in the manga and in the print works for some time now. I think she prefers to beat people up normally, so that's why she's not a huge presence in the games, but she's just chilling in all the mangas. Hmm being relevant. Yeah, and also she was Rayma's roommate for a while, so she's like a pretty regular visitor, I think. Like, at this point, I think it's honestly safe to call her one of Rayma's friends, as as annoyed as Rayma would be by that description. <laughs> yeah, at least in Suika's perception, Rayma is one of her friends. Rayma is annoyed <laughs> by the fact that she has friends that aren't Marisa, I think. <laughs> She's just like, oh, jeez, yeah. I... I only have room in my mind for one friend, and I know who that is. The rest of you have to leave. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, I acquired interpersonal bonds. What am I going to do now? Yeah, I think the bigger problem for her is that she's a yokai. Like, Reimu is, like, very conscious of being friends with yokai. Yeah, because she feels like it makes her a bad shrine maiden. Speaking of, it's kind of interesting how a lot of the time when there's these shrine scenes with a lot of background characters, it kind of feels like the pseudo-canon in the sense that not necessarily everyone who has a background cameo is like canonically prone to visiting the shrine at random. I think there's something like different about bigger scenes like this one that make it kind of interesting to just watch all these people gather. Yeah, I think like the festival scenes and the party scenes are sort of different because like party scenes, it's not necessarily everyone who's got a relevant role tends to show up there. Like, Yukari almost never shows up at party scenes unless she's there to cause trouble or if Yuko is there. Whereas... I think you can take the party scenes to implicitly be people who are invited or one degree of separation from invited. Whereas the festival scenes is anybody and everybody come down, please. We have sales. Yeah. (laughs) The parties are definitely, like, a much more intimate gathering. And I think, like, the most remote connection that regularly shows up at parties is the fairies. They just kind of live in the area and cause trouble. They just live in a tree. They're chilling. They're sort of, like, vaguely family at this point. So they get to show up at the parties. But I think they're definitely, like, the most obscure characters, I guess, to show up at parties. This is, like, a pretty small party, I guess, since it's... I think the guests are mostly just Yukari, Yuko, Yomu, and then Sakuya has brought food. It's just basically Reimu and her pals. Sanai probably just was busy at the moment. But she probably was invited too. It's really funny to me that Sakuya is at this party, but Romelia is not. Romelia is uninvited. (laughs) (laughs) Usually Romelia is like the guest at Reimu's parties, right? And Sakuya is just tagging along. But in this one, Sakuya is the person that they invited to handle like regular normal person food instead of a giant boar on a stick, (laughs) which is what Suika's into. Speaking of Suika, like, the conversation turns to the yokai attack in the village again. Reimu, like, vaguely suspects Suika, but Suika's like, no, I'm way too strong to even... If I had decided to do something like that, I would have just, like, crushed everyone. Yeah, Suika can't hide her power level. If I wanted to kill you, you'd already be dead. I really love this line where she's like, I can see how you'd suspect me, seeing how jumping people's the duty of all Oni. So she's just like... She thinks they're just, like, mugging people as her job. Well, mostly it's actually dragging people away. Yeah, and I mean, Oni are kind of assumed to be mythicized version of bandits. Yeah, and especially Shuten Doji in the first place. Um, Yeah. Suika is just a bandit who is chilling now. Don't at her. She's chilling. Yeah, and so the whole time they're having this conversation, and they're just kind of tossing around ideas for suspects, where Suika tries to blame Mamizo for it. You see the whale girl. We actually didn't talk about her name. Uh, I was kind of waiting for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I completely spaced out on that. Uh, Weird. Who? So, her name is Miyoi. What's her last name? Okunodo. I think both of her names are pretty generic. Yeah, they're very human names. Hmm. 
Yeah, they have manga like Field and Beautiful and stuff like that. That's just pretty normal fare and not necessarily like dramatic anime yokai names. Why would you have a yokai name? She's just a whale girl. Yes. She's just a normal bartender girl. Yeah. My name is Ralph Human Man. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Human. <laughs> Yeah, so we see her just sort of in the background, passing out food, pouring drinks for people. So it seems like maybe she was invited to this party or something. And she hands out food to everyone, which is just a bunch of steamed vegetables. And they look really tasty. (laughs) And everyone enjoys them. Suika gets grumpy because nobody's appreciating her giant epic yokai pig that she wrangled and probably killed with her bare hands. (laughs) The Ganon pig, as I think a couple people have named it. It is written, only Suika can roast Ganon. Suika gets grumpy about it and she's like, there's no way these vegetables taste good, whatever. And then she tries them and she's like, actually, they're pretty great, but they'd be better with turtle blood. As long as you put blood on them, that is. Yeah. (laughs) And so Reimu thanks Sakuya for preparing the food and we get to see Sakuya. And her title is probably my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. The Scarlet Devil Mansion's kitchen drinker. Which basically means she's a day drinker who also drinks on the job. Kitchen drinker is an expression for like a housewife who drinks while cooking i suppose doing housework yeah i like cooking with wine sometimes i won't even put it in the food <laughs> sakia absolutely does own a bunch of those like kitschy uh did she drop she dropped offline period so i think it's internet issues we can keep going and then if she shows back up or gets in contact we can do analysis and stuff another day if we have to you were saying about sakia Oh yeah, I was saying Sakuya absolutely owns some of those like kitschy Midwest housewife fridge magnets. Those are Midwest. I saw one of those while I was dog sitting a lady right around here. How many did you see? <laughs> like Love eight. just disappeared. Oh boy, I hope. Uh, yeah. Um. Oh. I, I think the whale <laughs> is coming for us. Uh oh. <laughs> We've said her name and. We're just all going to get candle jack. So we were recording this episode during Discord's like massive failure yesterday. So we had to kind of put things on hold and we're back at it again today. And we were talking about Sakuya and the fact that she's a kitchen drinker, which is funny. Yeah. Because she's the perfect and elegant maid, except, you know, for all the times that she's not. Yeah, just like... <laughs> I think Sakuya doesn't do anything without a healthy (laughs) overdose of irony. Yeah, she's an ironic kitchen drinker. She's just an alcoholic for the memes. It is kitchen drinking, even if you're doing it ironically. (laughs) (laughs) Should we actually start worrying about the people in Gensokyo now? (laughs) Yeah, they're fine at worrying themselves. I think they have it handled. I feel like most of them are probably like Zun, where they drink a lot, but they're like very conscious. They drink a lot over an extended period of time and yet never drink too much over too short a period of time. Yeah, I don't know that there's anyone in Gensokyo who's an alcoholic, aside from... There's never been anybody who gets, like, flat-out blackout drunk in any of the mangas or games or stuff, besides Suika, but she doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah, she's just kind of the avatar of getting plastered. I don't know if I would say that anyone in Gensokyo has a drinking problem, but they do drink quite heavily, so I don't know. I mean, at least the majority of them have some, like, supernatural (laughs) excuse. Yeah. Yeah, it's really just Reimu and Marisa, who we never see drinking more than human amounts of things. Yeah, Reimu and Marisa at the highest drink about as much as Zoom does. They did have that chapter in Wild and Horned Hermit where, like, Reimu just, like, pressures Sanae into drinking a whole bunch, even though Sanae doesn't like to drink. That's kind of, like, a topic that gets addressed and talked about, and then Sanae kind of gets one over on Reimu and makes her look like a fool. Yeah, she gives her a lecture on beer pressure. (laughs) So, like, I do think that it is something that Zun is sort of... Acknowledging. Yeah. If anyone does have a drinking problem, it would be Reimu. (laughs) Well, she does have a drinking problem. Her name is Suika. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my 
god. I mean, if this manga's theme is going to keep going for a long time, then I think drinking is going to have a lot of problems associated with it. Yeah, I think this would definitely be the manga to talk about people's drinking problems. Yeah, probably. P- yeah. drinking problems like, you know, magical nightmares and getting attacked <laughs> by yokai. Yeah, speaking of getting attacked by yokai, at the party they're just kind of, you know, talking about the yokai attacks and stuff like that, and then Suika's like, for all you know, there could be yokai at this very party, and it just shows the crowd shot where Reimu and Marisa and Sakuya and Yomu, I guess, are the only humans at the party. It's a very Suika sort of joke. I don't know if I'm just an idiot, but in some way I feel like a lot of the chapter is like framed in such a way that Mioi is obviously in a lot of the shots. She is actually really visible, but she doesn't have a lot of dialogue and she is mostly pouring people drinks. In some way she's kind of easy to miss. Yeah, she's like definitely sort of on the periphery of the party and she's got like a very, very subdued presence. Like she looks almost like she's cameoing in her own manga. I do think that's kind of deliberate. I think that fits with her just overall theme, I think. Yeah. It's well done. I don't think she had like an official excuse to be at the party, at least not one that anyone acknowledges. She's yeah, just... like, people don't even acknowledge her at all. I thought they brought in some of the food from there. That was kind of my impression too, but then I figured that Sakuya is the one that brought most of it. I thought Sakuya mentioned that she brought the food from the pub. They don't know who made the food is the thing. Like, Yeah, we don't know who actually made the food. We don't know if anybody could have tampered with the food, that is. Rimu, like commends Sakuya on the veggies, and Sakuya's like, I didn't make those. And they're like, oh, well, who did? And nobody knows. So I do think that Miyoi is kind of like... I think she just crashed the party. She is on the sort of existence on the fringes of the party that nobody recognizes or acknowledges, and she's just kind of giving mystery food to people. Everybody's like, oh, she fits in. And then nobody realizes that she doesn't actually fit in. Like a very Koishi-like ability almost, I think, to just sort of blend in and be unnoticed and kind of, they just slide right past you. By the way, she get drawn with like the same bottle as Suika a lot, including the chapter. And uh, since I think there was some discussion about whether it was a separate bottle or what, looking at the chapter like uh, panel by panel, it seems like First, Mioi is holding it, and then Suika has it for a second. Then she is specifically shown throwing it away, and then Mioi has it again. So I think she's just like picking it up whenever Suika isn't looking to pour people drinks. That's possible. She might just be really good at stealing. It is an oddly like a specific design to be just two identical bottles mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah, I do think that it is Suika's gourd because. I'm looking through the pages now, and you're right. We never see them both holding the gourd at the same time. We see them holding the gourd one right after the other, but never at the same yeah. time. There's the page where Miyoi just, like, sets the food down in front of everyone. It's like, here you go, enjoy. And everyone just kind of digs in, and they don't really acknowledge her at all. I do think that it's very much like a thing. It's like conscious Koishi, basically. Yeah, she's Koishi, but with a plan, <laughs> which is scary. <laughs> That's terrifying, thanks. She seems to really be Koishi not only with a plan, but without the drawbacks of Koishi's ability writ large. Yeah, like Koishi, like, that was like literally self-harm and she's kind of just feeling the consequences of that. This is like some kind of nefarious ability that she uses with a purpose that we have yet to find out. Soon hasn't really been doing, like, nameless Yokai since what's the last one in EOSD? Has he done any after that? He has done some in Forbidden Scrollery, but I don't think they really count. Do you mean nameless or do you mean unspecified? Yeah, a non-specified species. So last one be a children, um, I think, as far as like named characters that don't have a definite yokai species associated with them. And she doesn't really count because uh, um, Unza next, you know, right next to her is the Mudo. Yeah, so what I was getting at is that it's going to be interesting to see what the heck, like, Mio's species is supposed to be. Yeah, I'm definitely interested about that, and I do have my own theory. Especially if the whale connection goes any deeper, since that makes it even harder to think of any 
like connections. Not that I'm really an expert. There are yokai whales, but I can't think of any whose powers are based around <laughs> subterfuge. Yeah. It might just be an ability that's not linked to the species. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. We've not had a lot of those recently, yeah. but I think it would be fine to have some. Yeah. Yeah, but on the other hand, the whale theme also feels kind of random to come out of nowhere. It's really in the spotlight of the logo and well, I think it's also that there's basically a lot of stories. I think that the fact that Mioi is a whale is probably based on that one brand of alcohol in the first place, and then there's also some lore behind mm. it. There's a brand of shochu that's literally named Large Whale. Uh, oh, wow. That might just be the reference, because I wouldn't put it past them to do that. Also, there's another splash page that just kind of shows the events of the party. And yeah, I believe this is probably just Suika's Gourd, because the Gourd features quite prominently in this page, where it's shown, like, sort of rolling across the page, almost to signify, you know, the passage of time. I do think she's just kind of jacking Suika's Gourd. <laughs> Girls commit crimes. <laughs> Also, I really like that Yukari and Yuko are just like shown as like mystery characters with concealed faces the whole time <laughs> for no reason in every single shot of them at the entire party. I wonder if Mioi knows who they are. Yeah, it's all from like Mioi's point of view. If this is from her perspective, <laughs> she might just be like, who are those guys? Yeah, that's definitely possible. I don't think she'd know the other people either. It's also there to play up the horror elements of the first chapter. I hope it keeps some of the horror elements because Forbidden Scrollery only got interesting with the horror elements like about halfway through. I do think it would be good if it kept the same sort of like dark, oppressive atmosphere that Forbidden scrollery cultivated. I think there's a lot of potential for that with Sweet specifically talks about yokai who worm their way in without you realizing that they're there. That's a very horrific thing, honestly. Yeah, it's obviously referring to Miyoi here. She is just kind of insinuating herself into this party and nobody really thinks about it or acknowledges her. Until it's too late, dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like a dream battle with Ganon. There's just a very like weird like psychedelic dream sequence <laughs> where Reimu fights the yokai boar that they've eaten and all of her friends are dead. <laughs> she solves her problems by <laughs> drinking and <laughs> like she wins the fight by using fantasy drunken fist. Um, if anybody says that Reimu can't learn from other people, show them that and then show them Suika's moves in Scarlet Weather Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the significance of this is left vague for now. There's like a giant whale, like the same whale that's on the logo of the restaurant or bar or whatever it is. Is it a restaurant or a bar? Does it make a difference? It's a pub. It's an izakaya. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's an izakaya. Hold on. So are you saying that the customers who get attacked got izakaya'd? <laughs> See, I thought about making that joke, but I decided not to, so you've successfully shown less restraint than me. There is no low-hanging fruit that we won't pick. It doesn't actually use the word for izakaya, but... It, it, that's what it is. It's basically that, yeah. I think that the dream is really interesting in light of the title. You know, the references to the Odyssey, where the lotus eaters are a uh, people who eat the root of the lotus plant and only the root of the lotus plant and are caught in a perpetual dream of a uh, pleasant life which takes about half of Odysseus's crew with them when he lands there. Yeah. Yeah, like it's tied to the fact that Raymo is dreaming about something she ate coming and attacking her. The lotus eaters only eat the lotus. I mean, that may be speculating very wildly, and I hope this is something that gets disproven next chapter, but maybe uh, Miyoi's ability is tied to that kind of, like... No, I definitely agree with you, because I do think that this is, like, a clearly a very overt reference to the Odyssey. What my, like, absolute, just random guesswork, shot in the dark, never gonna happen theory is, is that Miyoi is somehow Circe, the witch from the <laughs> Odyssey who turns Odysseus's men into pigs on the island of the Lotus Eaters, right? I don't think it's the island of the Lotus Eaters. I think there's just a lot of really dangerous islands in the Odyssey. That's the Mediterranean. 
it's the same stretch of the Odyssey where it's his crew getting picked off, but it's not the same place. Okay, it's been a while since I read the Odyssey, so thank you for correcting me. Just the fact that this theory has suddenly become slightly flimsier, I think, doesn't change my mind. I'm just gonna say that she's somehow Cersei, and the whale thing is like a reference to Scylla. I think that whales would be more of a reference to Shrib, dishonestly. Uh, why not? It's in the same area, though, so it doesn't really matter. What if it's like a synthesis? What if it's like both of them somehow? Because I guess I associate whales with whirlpools because of Pokemon. Phyllis more of a serpent sort of monster, whereas Shribdis is sucks you into the bottom of the sea like whales do to krill. Ah, I guess I see that. I was just thinking, you know, big sea monster. Also, apologies in advance to anybody who actually speaks Greek. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone here pronounces anything ancient Greek or modern Greek properly, so... <laughs> we don't even pronounce the Japanese correctly, so it's fine. I was thinking that I don't think I've ever heard Cersei spoken aloud in English, and I was kind of somehow confused to hear people say it with a soft C. I've never heard anyone say it, but this is literally my first time ever saying that <laughs> name, like, out loud, so... It is Cersei, by the way. Oh, okay. At least I believe so. In English it is, but English versus anything that uses classical pronunciation rules is a wild shot in the dark. Shout out to Julius Caesar. Mm. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's a soft C in English, but it's within the K in Greek. Yeah, in classical Greek it's like Kirki. And that's basically how I also hear it in real life. Okay, yeah. Kirki. Guard. A very uh, quirky character. It's really just English that has a lot of the classical K sounds. The Kai sound becomes a soft C. Right. Yeah. And it's because of some weird shift. Thanks, French. It's French. <laughs> it's French's fault. My guess was that I was written with a C in the original Greek, and that's an S in Greek, so that's what I went with. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyway... I mean, I have no um, doubt that it is pronounced Cersei in English, but that's not how it's pronounced originally. So you had it right, but in a wrong way. So congratulations, <laughs> I guess. English! <laughs> I hate English. Why are we speaking in English? We should all suddenly start speaking in ancient Greek for this entire podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so. God. But yeah, so during the dream sequence, there's like, the, you know, the whale from the logo in the background, the whale is associated with Mioi, and I'm wondering if that's like her hearing the dream somehow, like she maybe has some kind of dream related ability that involves getting you extremely drunk. I can't believe she was the catfish from Mei Ling's Soku story mode the entire time. <laughs> oh my god, what? That's really the long con, isn't it? Yeah, those are the theories we're going with. She's either the Greek witch Circe from the Odyssey, or she's... What do you uh, mean, or? <laughs> the giant catfish. <laughs> it's and. And. Okay, yeah, she could be both. <laughs> I was going to say that I didn't expect the lotus eating to be so literal, but, like, here we are, I guess. Hmm. I mean, it is an actual, like, food. <laughs> yeah, I literally have... Chikuzeni in my fridge right now, and that has lotus root in it. Give it to the rest of us. <laughs> and I have a couple cans of lotus root in the basement. Oh, oh yeah, I guess they make it canned, right? <laughs> I had to, I had to like process that for a second. I don't like canned food at all because it just makes me feel like, does this actually exist in the wild? Have I just hallucinated every single bean that I've seen? <laughs> I eat canned food a lot because you can buy a huge amount of it on sale and then save it for months. Yeah. You're valid. That's fair. I just like the experience of cutting up my own lotus root. And That's why I eat pasta. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lotus root and things, if you can get it fresh for, like, a reasonable price, it is definitely better fresh. But also for a lot of soups and things, like, it's going to taste like a <laughs> lotus same. root and soup. Like, anyone who's like, you have to use fresh basil in this soup, I'm like, no. It's going to disintegrate, <laughs> and it's only going to be a question of how small the tiny pieces of wet disintegrated basil are. You put fresh basil in after the thing is done cooking. You don't yes. put fresh basil in soups. While they're cooking. Some food blockers will disagree with you. <laughs> well, some food blockers are wrong. My literal favorite herb is basil, and I've been growing it for, like, 15 years. I mean... Oh, I absolutely agree with so you. So that's the final word from our resident basil expert, me. <laughs> I'm not a basil expert for some purposes, but I'm a basil expert for most purposes. 
And that's what's important. Glad we got that cleared up. This has been our Basil podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So the dream sequence also has one of my favorite lines from Reimu, like I think ever just said in a moment of frustration, which is, damn it, why did I let her prepare dinner? (laughs) Completely out of tone with just what's happening in the scene, which is she's fighting a giant yokai boar. She wakes up, everyone's fine, nobody's dead. As far as we know. Except for Yuhiko and Yomu, who are supposed to be. Nobody who's not supposed to be dead isn't dead, as far as we know. Reimu's already forgotten what she was dreaming about. Which is normal. Yeah, Sakuya cleaned everything up, which is nice of her, except for the bones, for some reason. (laughs) The bones are probably part of why she hallucinated. I mean, the bone is really heavy, actually, especially bones from something that big. I guess so. Yeah, because bone gets dense on mammals and things really easy. Like, if it's bird bones, that's different, but... If you are literally trying to move around the bones of a giant, almost yokai boar. I do think that Sakuya is capable of it. I just think that she didn't want to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She was not under orders to. I'm just trying now to imagine Reimu being, you know, reasonably sensible and frugal, just making stock out of all of these boar bones. (laughs) Oh, I checked on something. There's a double meaning for uh, the lotus that's common in Buddhist art and symbolism. Oh, yeah? And it uh, represents purity because, you know, lotuses and water leaves grow from muddy, stagnant water, but are, you know, radiantly beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Byakuren's whole lotus theming is about. And, but it's also people are eating, you know, impure yoju flesh, yet they're uh, waking up without any memories of the unpleasant dreams that it brings. Hmm. So is Mioi like purifying people by uh, chopping away on their memories? I think that it's probably not as beneficial to them as all that. <laughs> yeah, it's a very charitable interpretation of someone who has been framed in a very sinister manner. I think it would be very Zun of Zun to make that be the thing in the end, though. Like, <laughs> oh, she was just doing it to help everyone. Because he did it with Kasen. <laughs> Kasen wasn't framed in, like, a sinister way, except for when she was literally threatening to eat people. I mean, no, she totally seemed like she was set up like she had some kind of, like, evil plot with the Hakurei Shrine. Like, she had some plans for Reimu and the Shrine. She was framed as a sinister way, but not in a mysterious way. She was much more of a, what's she up to, rather than, you know, what is she, and... Right. We I guess we knew her goals from the start. Yeah. And also, the manga, in general, for Lotus Eaters, just frames Gensokyo in a very different light from Wild and Horned Hermit Island. Right. That's yeah. true. Yes. And I mean, you know, it's like, overall, impurity isn't, like, seen as a bad thing in Toho material so far, so purification is probably a bad thing. Impurity is something that yokai embody, incidentally, so I wonder if using the Mioi is purifying things interpretation, you could say that she's making herself more powerful since, well, she's made of impurity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, um, this reminded me kind of, she's working at the bar Gay Dante. I think it was discussed at some point that obviously the name Gay Dante is just kind of generic whale drinking hall, basically. <laughs> it's basically the whale and ale. <laughs> Thanks to Clarst. Shout out to Clarst. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I kind of noted that the kanji for, and actually the whole word for drink, can also mean swallow, which in the case of a whale has some like specific mythological connotations to me, like whale swallowing people. The whale swallowing motif is something that's found in a bunch of cultures. Yeah. Almost every culture that is coastal, I think. Like most iconically to us Westerners is, of course, you know, the whole... Jonah? Pinocchio. <laughs> Jonah, Jonah, Yes. Jonah and the whale. Yeah, and also Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, it's so iconic we didn't remember what it was. You can tell how long I've it's been since I've argued with anyone about the Old Testament. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jonah and the whale is sort of the big one in Western spheres, but I know there's a Japanese... Is it Urashima Taro? He gets eaten by a whale and taken to the Dragon Palace? I think so, but uh, the names are kind of easy to mix up. Because I'm pretty sure that's like the first half of Urashima Taro. Is that he gets eaten by a whale. 
That might be, but I don't remember anything ever. But yeah, the whales wallowing thing and everything definitely gives me the idea that uh, she's somehow feeding on the people that she does these little pranks to, even if she's not literally... Yeah, because yokai eat lots of different things besides just human yeah, flesh. It doesn't seem like she's like physically eating anyone, but... It doesn't seem like that so far. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of space for like auto eating. Yeah, she also does have a very similar hat to Dorani, so <laughs> maybe she's a she's a fellow dream eater. I think she eats people's waking memories too, like Yeah. Remu forgets who she was talking to at the end of the chapter. So she'd probably have more influence than Dorami because Dorami's influence basically only extends to dreams. Yeah, or she has different influence than Dorami. If we take that, Dorami has some like special influence as the like administrator of the dream world, basically. Yeah, but dreams are just dreams. Except when you're Sumerico or Maribel. Yeah. <laughs> In fairness. Does Maribel even have a dream self? I think she is her dream self. I mean, did she just like? It is in the nature of mankind to regularly reinvent Homestuck. <laughs> <laughs> so. We should all aspire to be our dream selves. That's true. I, this is a bit of a sneak peek for the next Unsealing Club, I think. <laughs> I wonder if Zune has ever consumed Homestuck. I mean, he knows Toby Fox. And the concept of dream selves as they are was introduced after he met with Toby Fox, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's, I think it's <laughs> cutting pretty close. Um, Does Zune understand English well enough to read Homestuck? No, I don't, because yeah. he's needed an interpreter, and Andrew Hussey's prose is many things, but accessible is the least possible on that list. If he knows anything about Homestuck, it's probably, like, second or third hand. Yeah. Yeah, it's highly unlikely that Zun came up with the idea related <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the basic root of it was definitely something established in the early Ceiling Club yeah. CDs, which is way before... Mm -hmm. Andrew Hussey went completely off his rocker. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's... The concept of dream selves being separate from waking selves is kind of contradictory to the early Ceiling Club CDs, but Maribel's mm. just a special little girl, so... It's just the nature of humanity. Yeah. There is... yeah. Perhaps it's in the nature of humanity to regularly recreate Hifu, and <laughs> Andrew Hussey is just a high-profile example. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Apparently there is like a fan translation project for Homestuck, but it's not getting very far, I think. <laughs> well, this has been our Homestuck podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that Renko would say that Maribel is a dream, so... <laughs> That's true. So, back to Lotus Eaters. <laughs> nah. It's super appropriate that we keep going off topic, because that does seem to sort of be what Mioi's power does no what were we talking about um i think it was about uh, something from spongebob <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so back to lotus eaters remu decides after waking up to check on the, the pub that the guy got kidnapped from or whatever and she talks to the owner who is maybe like the first random old guy to have like a defined face instead of being cloaked in shadow. Didn't the fisherman have a face? Yeah, the fisherman had a face. And I mean the random people at the start of this chapter had faces too. Oh yeah, that's true. So okay, never mind that. I'm entirely wrong. Anyway, she talks to the old guy who owns the place and he's just kind of preparing food and he's like, yeah, I heard about that. And he talks about how the guy was like really drunk. Like he just basically asks Raymu to make a show of protecting the place because the rumors about a yokai scaring away customers so she just kind of puts up a little thing that's like this place is being watched by Remu, so look out big sister is watching <laughs> <laughs> she's like you okay I probably aren't gonna be afraid of this but whatever i'll keep an eye on the place and then Miyoya's is like hey wait up and Remu's like uh who are you we finally get Mioi's name and sort of reveal and title, which is the poster girl of Gaidante, the fantasy pub. And that's also how she introduces herself as the poster girl of Gaidante. And she's like, don't tell me you forgot me. And Raymond's like, uh... Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Raymond doesn't even hesitate. 
Yeah, and Mio is like, I was at the party last night, and Reimu displaying remarkable social skills that are, I would say, kind of unusual for her, manages to recover. <laughs> Be like, oh yes, how could I forget? Of course, right, Mioi, I definitely know you. I feel like she learned that one from Marisa. <laughs> yeah, Marisa is definitely a master of just bluffing her way through social situations. Yeah. yeah. Mioi very suspiciously deflects Reimu from keeping an eye on the place. By being like, um, you know, the guy who disappeared is already coming back, but he likes to be anonymous, so we don't know who he is. So, like, he refuses to reveal his identity, so I can't tell you who he is, so you can't double check about this. So that's very interesting, and I hope that nothing happened to him. <laughs> yeah, so either she's just, like, straight up lying about this, or she's telling the truth, and she only gets these people drunk and attacks them in their dreams or something. Because yeah. he did have a nightmare about being attacked by yokai, much like Reimo. Alternately, the guy just might have not existed at all, and it could just be her messing with people's perceptions. Mm. Yeah, because if she is a yokai up to something, then it is beneficial for her to have some rumors about yokai being up to things that she can a deflect off of but also be as a yokai that still eventually feeds back to people fear the powerful yokai who's masterminding all of this that's true i do think it's really interesting that part of the story is kind of about the concept of like oh my god what if there's a yokai in the human village and there are plenty of yokai in the human village all the time um like sekibanki lives there well the ones that are obvious about being yokai usually just visit the village and the ones who are in the village are the ones who aren't up to anything yeah, usually. Because although the villagers don't know this, it's probably not a good idea to start shit in the village. Yeah, but it would be kind of funny to have a background cameo of Sekibanki having a chat with Yuka in the, while they talk about Yuka in the village or something. <laughs> yeah. That would be very cute. Yeah, Yuka buys a vase from Kogasa's stall while Sekibanki is chatting with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do wonder if that's gonna like come up like if there's going to be suspicion and people are gonna start talking about yokai living in the village or attacking people in the village and maybe like you know the weirdo who like keeps to herself and wears a weird cloak that covers her neck all the time like maybe she'll some suspicion will land on her and stuff like that i think someone pointed out and it was kind of funny to me that Bunky actually she shows up in the Grim War of Yusami, where she's just, you know, showing off her yokai powers in broad, well, not daylight, but in front of the village. Maybe she got caught between DDC and the Grim War of Yusami. <laughs> or she's, you know, doing a Clark Kent sort of situation, right? Right. Where it doesn't actually matter what you look like. If she's good enough at disguising how she acts and all of that, then... But she dressed the same when she's in the village? I don't think we know. We haven't ever actually seen her in the village. I don't think we have enough Sekibanki content to know that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, judging from like, oh uh, yeah, I think we can assume that she just puts on a hat. She doesn't even have any ears or anything to hide, but the hat still does the trick. I'm thinking about Sekibanki and the cabbie hat right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good mental image. But yeah, so Mioi kind of weighs everything aside and Reimu just accepts it at face value and she's like, well, thanks, whatever, that's fine. But I did promise, so I'll be keeping an eye on this place anyway. And Mioi seems kind of nervous about that. She's like, okay, see you later. I'll be there at the next party. And just kind of waves her away. Bye. Please don't look at any if there's any blood on this shovel. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, very suspicious. Yeah, I mean, Reimu should know that she's going to be important. Since she's, you know, a girl with a cute and funny hat. I feel like Reimu sees a lot of them, though. Yeah, and they're all, like, <laughs> named characters, and most of them are yokai. Well, not necessarily. We get a lot of background. Like, there were those, the three background villagers in Hopeless Masquerade had sort of funny-looking, you know, hairs. There's, like, a girl with blue hair who's just like, that's just a normal human. Yeah. I feel like that the hats being on important characters and outfits, I don't think it's a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure situation, <laughs> right? Where there's... A bunch of people in normal outfits and then just like dudes in these weird high fashion things, you know, swinging an anchor from one of their earlobes and everyone's like, well, where's the stand user? Who could it be? If anything, I think it's a pretty good comparison to Jojo since, you know, no one there acknowledges the weird looking people either. <laughs> 
I think in Gensokyo, there's much more of a sense of just everybody looks like that. We don't see a huge number of not weird looking people. I think we do, honestly. I mean, you don't pay attention to them because they don't look weird. Yeah, like a lot of the villagers are just kind of dressed in like normal peasant clothes or whatever. But yeah, obviously I was kidding if that was clear, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do like that Mioi's hat emotes with her. It's actually her real body. <laughs> like Kogasa. Yeah, I think it's just kind of like, you know, cute. Mioi is actually a stuffed whale, Tsukumogami. <laughs> yeah, she's possessing some innocent young girl. Yeah, she's just kind of a brain slug. <laughs> she just grew a body by doing sit-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Don't question it. Yeah, when she's kind of waving Reimu out the door, the whale hat is also... Similarly waving its little flippers, which is cute. I think Mio is overall, like, emphatically cute, basically. Yeah, she's adorable with the sinister side. And not, like, just me thinking that she's cute, but it's definitely, like, an intentional depiction. She's definitely, like, meant to be just sort of the... Posta girl. Cheerful, pretty server at the bar, yeah. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing suspicious here. Yeah, she's deliberately cute. And it's something that's played up in, you know, how she appears in the manga and all that. The construction of Moe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's just Well, I mean, Zen's always about that, but a lot of his character designs are cute without calling attention to it or framing it yeah. up. Like the last sort of like cute as like a deliberate thing we saw a lot was with early Kosuzu, where it was much more played as like a, you know, this is this specifically innocent character. And she's specifically doing it to avoid people realizing that she's just kind of up to something all the time and that something might endanger her. It's basically like a kid acting really, really cute in front of their parents and then going and digging up all of the basil in the garden. (laughs) Did we discuss how yokai like choose to look like cute girls because it's a evolutionary advantage? I don't think we've... In- <laughs> Did we bring that up in the gender episode? It's definitely come up before. I think we brought it up in a general sense, but we didn't go really deep into it. But yeah, that just it. It's a benefit to look cute, especially, you know, to avoid, like, suspicion. Yeah. So Reimu walks away from the bar, and she's thinking about all this hot gossip that Mioi told her about some big shot who wants to hide his identity, and she's speculating about that, and then she's like, wait, who did I hear this from again? Like, she literally just can't remember Mioi at all. Like, as soon as Mioi left her field of vision, she's just kind of erased from her memory. Also, her head hurts, but that might just be because she's hungover. I think that the hangover probably wouldn't have lasted that long. If she's going to the village... Why is she still hungover? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Raymond to show up hungover to the job. True, but she doesn't show any other obvious signs either. (laughs) Also, I do want to say that Raymond is very cute in this manga. I mean, the art is great overall. Yeah, the art's amazing. Kind of the Moe Harukawa to cheating detective Satori's Azuma Aya. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Fair. Yeah, so we were speculating before this chapter came out that it would be sort of a bunch of like short vignettes about party scenes of people getting drunk or whatever, but it seems like there is going to be an overarching plot structure about Mioi and her sinister doings. Yeah, if anything, it feels like this is going to be the story manga while Cheating Detective is going to be the let's catch up with characters and do little vignettes. And It seems like Forbidden School to in Wild and Horned Hermit too, in just like general tone. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm sure there's going to eventually be some deep plot in cheating detectives Satori. Not that I'm particularly interested in it so far, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just because it has a terminal case of embodiment of Scarlet Devlitis for the, the foreseeable future. And also the art is... Just very light for now. Yeah, I mean, it's bound to improve over time because just how these things work. I'm willing to give the artist a fair shake. I am willing to give them a fair shake, but it's just hard to catch my interest with a combination of embodiment of Scarlet Devil characters (laughs) and backgrounds that are literally traced twice in two different scenes. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. So we had the mailbag question last time that we said we'd get back to this time. Oh, shoot. I didn't do my homework. I told you. (laughs) Yeah, but I am still busy. What if we just do the mailbag question later and also cut it from 
the previous one where we just kind of fumbled with it. <laughs> we'll come back to this later. <laughs> that's kind of Lotus Eaters. Like, that was the first chapter of Lotus Eaters. It has a lot of potential to be really, really interesting. And I am very excited for a manga that has an actual yokai like yokai. As yeah, I'm definitely very interested to see where it goes with Mioi and Or at least it's focus because we haven't seen her viewpoint almost at all except for the ending of the first chapter really yeah yeah but we didn't see Kassen's viewpoint for at least like two chapters yeah. in Wild and Horn Hermit. we see Kassen's viewpoint in the sense of it's still clearly her perspective I feel like that that is how it is here though well I mean if anything I think it's too early to say for this one yeah, at least it's focused around her because Forbidden Scrollery wasn't entirely from Kosuzu's perspective either. Yeah. 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 And she's definitely like somebody who sort of exists on the periphery and in the fringes. People aren't really aware of her. So it'll be really interesting to see like how Zun's usage of viewpoint characters like plays out in this one. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to be the one we revisit in like a whole episode. There's going to be some big happening in the manga that we drop everything to revisit <laughs> in like the next you know however long we're doing this podcast and the manga's running yeah I do. do we have anything we're gonna do next week uh, oh right next week is the next unsealing club it's the merry christmas episode yeah. yeah, it's the Merry Christmas episode. <laughs> the Maribel Christmas episode. <laughs> we could try and push it out on Christmas. Next week's is actually scheduled to be out on Christmas. Oh, okay. The one we record next week. Great. By that point, we'll be like fully caught up and the delays that we had because of exams and stuff like that are going to be resolved. Yeah. Hopefully. And so we'll be entirely back on track at that point and we won't be releasing stuff insanely delayed anymore. This episode should actually have come out on time on the 18th. Cool. So yeah, that's Lotus Eaters. I really like its dark and mysterious aura, very, like very reminiscent of Forbidden Scrollery, but in an extremely different way, and I'm very interested to see where it goes. Yeah, it's Forbidden Scrollery, but reverse. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Uh, Bidden Scrollery. God, that would also be a good name for this episode title, but I think we've already decided on the one that we're going to go with. Yeah, we can do Bidden Scrollery at a, a later point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was Outside World Occultism for the week. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.